0: This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. This is Bonjour Chai, the Believe Jewish Women edition. I'm Avi Feingold, and I'm here with Phoebe maltz We are your Frozen Chosen. On today's show, an enlightening discussion with Nicole Lampert about Me Too, Unless You're a Jew. And uh, Phoebe and I get into all sorts of uh, questions about the season and about um, what to do on the streets um, that we live in these days. Yeah, Phoebe, how's it going? All right. How are you doing, Avi? Doing all right. Hanukkah is coming. I feel like it is the holiday for the frozenness and the chosenness to come together.
1: Yes, yes. If, it, if you're not too cold to um, get those matches out, or however it is, you light Hanukkah candles or twist the. Lamp. Are you allowed to do the lamp version, or is that? Uh, I have a lot of the religious questions lamp? for you today. Oh, okay. Yeah, is that allowed, or is that?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what does that mean? Is it allowed? Nobody, you, there's no police, right? I don't there's know. No Jewish is somebody. Is the
1: is the actual catholic pope going to come and complain um because that's my not. main concern he life. will
0: not even though he wears a kippa. Mm-hmm. he probably knows a lot about jewish law already um i'm sure he, he knows
1: more about it than i do I, I, I don't doubt it um so
0: i do have an ethical question for you i know you love advice columns we we spent a whole episode I on do. advice columns uh, i have an ethical dilemma that i would like your advice on um in my neighborhood there are many posters of the kidnapped people. Uh, they are laminated, they are taped very well to the light poles in the neighborhood. In your
1: neighborhood where, please? Situate situate us in the world.
0: In the suburbs of north of Chicago, you know, where I live now, uh, you know, it's heartening to see that they are up and that they're staying up. But I'm thinking about one specifically that is uh, about a block away from my house, right at the corner of our block and the main street leading out of the little subdivision that we now live in. And Every time I pass by it now, I I am torn because I don't know what to do. Um, It is a kidnap poster of Vivian Silver. And as someone who knows that Vivian Silver, who is a known Canadian activist, was thought to be one of the kidnapped individuals, and now is known, not that she was freed, but she was killed, actually, on October 7th. And, like, I don't know whether to take it down, how to take it down, because I don't want to be seen as this guy who's taking down kidnap posters in my neighborhood, even though I know that maybe this poster doesn't belong there. So... What to do in this case specifically and in the future when there are people that are kidnapped that are no longer, uh, that are hostages that are no longer hostages, whether they're freed or whether they pass away or something. What do you do and not look like an idiot taking down a poster? Well, on a first of card?
1: all, um, when you mentioned this topic to me, all I could think of was the the optics of bonjour, hi, host, and Yeah, Rabbi I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> filmed, filmed. <laughs> tearing down hostage poster and just oh the 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 weekly avi you're canceled could be a new one and not not a tasteless holocaust joke but in fact something more topical um yes so i think this is a tricky one um i mean stepping out from like that specific specific poster and that specific location i think there is this question of like things are going to um stop being relevant or in the same way like it, are what is the hostage photo doing is the flyer saying let's get this person back is the flyer saying let's bear witness to the fact that this person was taken hostage by Hamas or was in a, in some way a victim of this particular a- attack you know and i think you get to a point where like things become a memorial and this is like you need some sort of historian of memorialization on more than an amateur, extremely amateur wannabe advice columnist. Um, I, I'm curious well, case, more the to person see what wasn't happens. Even right, right but, right, but killed.
0: Yeah, so maybe I should take a, get a sticker and that says murdered, and then just put it on the poster to show I believe it. I know that it's there. I want everybody to know that this person was murdered, and that people should know that she was murdered, and that when we when a person is freed, we shouldn't take the poster down, but put a sign up that says freed.
1: I mean, like other things are going to happen in the world, including just in that specific war. Like, I mean, I'm just I guess I'm noticing what's happening on the posts in my area. And this is actually something I also wrote about for the CJN, which is just new things come up and and you see these layers. So first you see all these ceasefire flyers, and then you see like Save Ontario Place, which is this local cause that has nothing to do with the war. It's a progressive cause it's over the ceasefire flyers. And I really doubt it's because the people who are putting the Save Ontario Place flyers are all like extremely rah-rah Israel. I think it's just something new happened, something new went up.
0: Maybe maybe they think that Ontario Place is actually in Gaza and that they think that like having a ceasefire will preserve Ontario. I Place. mean,
1: anything's possible, <laughs> anything's possible. But also I was going to say that the, the ceasefire flyers themselves stay up even during a ceasefire. You know what I mean? Sure. And like... True. Is that no longer topical? Should they come down while there is a ceasefire and they go back up again when there isn't? I, I think eventually what's probably going to have to happen is the memorialization is happening somewhere other than the posts where people are, you know, like having, as in my neighborhood, something about a singles event for the over 40 crowd. <laughs> like,
0: Yes, of course. Um, you had a question to me about Hanukkah.
1: I do. I have a question for you about it. There is this movement uh, to have non-Jews put a menorah up in their window this year called um, Project Menorah, but it seems to be a very, very, it calls itself grassroots. It seems to be very grassroots. It's like this one guy um, is saying that you should put up a menorah in your window, even if you're not Jewish, because... Jews are afraid to put one up this year. Basically, like as a way of fighting anti-Semitism, put a menorah up in your window. The way I even found out about Project Menorah is that there were people um, in a forum I'm in were saying that it's cultural appropriation. They don't really like it for that reason. But Avi, because I do not always have access to the mind of a rabbi, is it okay for a non-Jew, religiously okay for a non-Jew to put a menorah in their window? on Hanukkah in solidarity with uh, their Jewish neighbors.
0: There's nothing stopping anybody. Um, Look, the entire purpose of putting a menorah in a window, a Hanukkiah, technically, because a menorah is a seven-branch candelabra, and a, a Hanukkiah mm-hmm. is a nine-branch candelabra. So I do want to tell our listeners that I do know the difference. Don't send in any comments that it's not a menorah. I know that the common parlance for any sort of candelabra that looks like that is a menorah. I'll use that term interchangeably. Um, for putting them up in the window is the term that the rabbis use as pirsume nisa, right? The publicizing of the miracle. That there was this miracle of oil and that we prevailed and stuff like, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What better way to publicize and make it a public idea than to have as many people as possible publicize this idea that Jews are here and we're still resilient than putting windows, menorahs up in, you know, in in their, in your windows, even if you're not Jewish. I think like, great, go ahead, feel free, right? You might get some Jewish carolers show up on your door, start to sing (laughs) Mao's tour with you um, and you won't know the words and you're going to get quickly outed by that but you know (laughs) definitely the, the fact is that like I I don't have a problem le- halachically with it. Culturally, again, I'm not the cultural police. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. And I think if it's done in the right intention, great. Um, and the only other thing I have to add to it is to sort of say like, hey, if Jews have co-opted the Christmas tree and call it the Hanukkah bush, I think there needs to be a Christian sort of name for a Hanukkah slash menorah that is not owned by a Jewish family that is in the window. Um, and I would try to encourage them that they make sure that the, the right number of lights... <laughs> <laughs> are lit up properly in the sure. Hanukiah every night. But I'm, yeah. I'm looking for, you know, names for what this Hanukiah could be. Oh, if it's but owned. I don't
1: think you can have that. I don't think you can do that because I think the whole point uh, is to give the impression that you're Jewish and that you're doing the Jewish thing. Because... What what I've noticed with this ally thing is some people um, making a big point and saying I'm not Jewish, but I put you know a Jewish star emoji in my bio. But I'm not Jewish, and I feel like if you're going to really really insist on the fact that you're not Jewish, it kind of defeats the purpose of this. I, exercise. I, I agree. I like I, I would draw the anyway. line,
0: for example, at putting up a, a mezuzah on your door. Right. If you say that, oh, you would. Are, okay. So
1: that has actually I have seen things yeah, about that as well. I, what I, what is how is how is that scroll. different?
0: I think if it had a scroll, it's a religious item. It has actual religious significance Mm -hmm. to it, whereas a Hanukkah is just a thing that holds candles that happens to, you know, that we make a blessing on, but that's it.
1: What about him? says it without a scroll?
0: It would be confusing. Um, I would recommend somebody wouldn't do it, but I would have less of a problem with it. Um, Mm -hmm. This is another podcast I listen to Mm -hmm. called Cooking Issues with um, this guy, Dave Arnold, who is a you know, master in the cocktail world and the cooking world. And he's talked in the past about his love for matzah, the hand shmura matzah, the round ones. Um, And he says he lives in an apartment Mm -hmm. building now and the previous tenants, I guess, had a mezuzah up and they never took it down. And he never takes it down because he knows that every year Chabad is going to deliver him matzahs, which he loves. And so he leaves it up there. Oh, wow. In order to get thought there was any If I thought
1: there was any chance I was getting matzah, that would be fantastic.
0: Um, I know that there's so many other things that we want to talk about. Um, I'll point out that the things that we really are touching on that we don't get to talk about we'll try to throw into the sub stack so you will get to hear our extended thoughts on these things but check out our new sub stack which has been going out um, more than once weekly we, we've been trying to get little tidbits out to you guys uh, on a more regular basis so sign up for the sub stack I believe it's bonjourhi.substack.com
1: yes and there's also the magazine website
0: I was going to say um, the magazine website um, to move from a ridiculous note to a much more sobering and important note uh, you wrote recently Phoebe a column about me too unless you're a jew uh and uh we have an interview with nicole lampert a journalist from the uk about that and let's move to that right after we hear from our sponsor are
2: you in the market for a new watch or a special piece of jewelry are you looking for the perfect engagement ring to pop the question atelier lou has all this and more eric and the team at atelier lou can craft a piece for you or you can select from some of the exclusive designers that they offer from a simple bangle to a statement necklace, Atelier Lou can make you or your loved ones sparkle. Located in the heart of Westmount in Montreal or online at atelierlou.com, visit Atelier Lou for your next watch or jewelry purchase. And when you do, make sure to use promo code BON18 for 10% off your next purchase. That's atelierlou.com.
0: So the discussion around the atrocities on October 7th has leveled up. I know it's something we briefly touched on a few weeks ago on the show, but now the whole world is paying attention and we decided to revisit it. Under the hashtag MeToo unless you're a Jew, feminists, journalists, activists of all kinds have been calling out the hypocrisy of downplaying or denying the rape and sexual violence that occurred on that day and urging the world to pay attention. With us to discuss this today is journalist and broadcaster Nicole Lampert. Nicole was the entertainment editor for the Daily Mail and has written for Haaretz and the Jewish Chronicle. She joins us from London. Nicole, welcome to Bonjour High.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us, Nicole. Um, I wanted to first just ask you a little bit about yourself and your career trajectory and how you came to be um, writing on this topic.
2: Um, sure. So I, I became a showbiz writer. I was the showbiz editor of the Daily Mail. And then Eight years ago, um, Labour, the, the kind of you know one of the two parties of government here, they elected Jeremy Corbyn as their leader, and how he was—he maybe had an anti-Semitism problem—and then I started following people online, and I started seeing that this was becoming a real problem in the Labour Party, and I could also see that a lot of my friends and I consider journalists to generally be inquisitive, clever people, mm-hmm. and a lot of them couldn't understand what the anti-Semitism issue was with Labour. So on October the 7th, because I have a column in the Jewish Chronicle now, um, I and I know the, the press officers at the embassy here, I spoke to them and just said, I can see this is going to be a really big day for you. Do you need me to help you in any way? Thinking they might just need someone to help answer the phone. And they said, can you help us get our story out? We need to tell people what's going on. And they started putting me in touch with people who were still in the safe rooms, who were here, who were on the WhatsApps and could see what was going on in their kibbutzim. And I guess quite quickly, it became clear that uh, there was a rape element to it. So I've been, uh, you know, there's there's lots of kind of journalist groups and, and there was this, and I've been talking to people about the rape element. I'm a feminist. I'm involved with feminist groups over here. And I've noticed that a lot of them had a lot of the statements that were coming out were equivocating uh Israel and Hamas none of them were mentioning the, the gender based violence none of them were mentioning the female hostages so i was beginning to talk to them and and to be honest getting quite angry with some of them some of them are my friends and we had some quite fierce arguments so i was, i you know decided to write an article about it
1: mhm mhm i think just for specificity's sake who has been silent and who is it who you would expect, like not necessarily individuals, but groups, who you would have expected to have spoken out and hasn't? Well, I guess we we'll start with the
2: with the top, don't we? Like mm-hmm. UN women. Um, and then we go down, you know, rape crisis. Um, there, there are various <clears throat> charities that, that are literally for uh, victims of, of, of war crimes that said nothing and were collecting money for Gaza, and... Um, so, uh, and basically, it was weird that a lot of women's groups who don't normally comment on geopolitical staff, you know, local, you know, groups in England all decided that they had to say something. Uh, and, and often it was offensive. You know, sometimes even even worse, There's there's one group called Sisters on Cart, you know, the whole point of them is about it's about it's meant to be about violence against women. And they have been appalling. They've basically said that calling out these rapes is Islamophobia. um, And that basically, uh, you know, people who have gone through what the Palestinians have gone through should be able to resist. So this is complete victim blaming. But we're starting at the top. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're starting at the top, UN Mm -hmm. women. I mean, I guess I'm just wondering whether what we're looking at is more denial that it happened or dismissal? of its significance or because to me like i've seen both but the denials seem to be coming from voices that even if they have a big platform are maybe um not so so mainstream and get pretty quickly i find on the whole shut down and it seems like the the tougher issue is when people are saying um Yes, it happened, but, and this came up with um, a tweet from, or post as it's now called, uh, Heidi Matthews, who's a law professor um, here in Canada, who I actually have once interviewed myself, and um, she, and I have different politics on this particular topic, I should say, but I mean, she's a smart person, um, and she posted, um, is wartime sexual violence a horrific crime? Yes, with no mistake. But sex exceptionalism is also traditionally used to whip up support for entire military campaigns. We see Israel and the U.S. doing this now to justify a prolonged disproportionate air and ground war. So she this got taken like this quote went kind of viral ending at the butt mm-hmm. like which yeah. B-U-T I should specify. Um, And I think that um. I think I wrote a tweet saying yeah. exactly that. You should have stopped before you said "but." Yeah, yeah but. I mean, I think I think it, it was interesting though because I think not having the whole thing, you lose context. But at the same time, like I'm looking at the whole thing and I, I can't say I'm on board with the <laughs> the thing in its entirety either. I, I wish though that I think that if you're going to talk about what somebody said, it's important to you know have the whole thing. But like, um, but that does seem to be a lot of the discussion. Is like that that yes, this happened but, and then whatever is the reason given. Um, and yeah, I guess one, I was wondering, um, what what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, it, it feels a bit like, yes, she was raped, but she wore a short skirt, so she was asking for it. You know, it's it's completely victim blaming. We've had here, and I'm sure you've probably had it in Canada too, uh, I know they've had it in America, where people have, uh, where the kidnapped posters were put up and they were torn down by people because they couldn't face the idea that the people that they were on the side of, the Palestinians, that they could have done anything wrong, and so I've got, I suppose, I will have lots of thoughts, and I think you know, one of them is that people are very confused about the Israel Palestine conflict. It's such a complicated conflict, and they, you know, and people today in this world of social media see the things in a kind of very black and white way so if you say so that you're either the oppressor or you're the victim and so they can't stand to see the idea of the um of the oppressor being the victim so and 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 i would you know to widen it out i would say that over here and i'm not sure whether it's the same for you we've had lots of iranians come on the pro israel demonstrations
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that is because what is happening to iranian women is, is what happened to Jewish women, and and it's the same for Islamic extremist groups wh- wh- wherever you are. You know, so this is this is a bigger story mm-hmm. that all of those people who are doing the yes buts, they are completely ignoring. They're on the side of the oppressors, and they won't see it. Um, and in terms of that Herbart, Israel hasn't gone to war because of the rapes. The rapes were, were not even mentioned for a few days, you know, really. And Israel isn't, hasn't gone to war for the women.
1: This is all, I mean, I, what I keep returning to just when I think about this, is it is it actually in any way helping Palestinians to be dismissive of... No, no.
0: I wonder where you think the roots of this is coming from, right? I can understand that this is happening or I can't understand it. I really don't like it. Um, I'm trying to figure out mm. what the source of this is, why this is happening um, and what's going on in people's minds when they're trying to justify what's going on here.
2: You know, having looked at the left-wing anti-Semitism issue... Because it's been such a big thing over here, there are there are various different strands to it, and one of them mm-hmm. is um, so- Soviet antisemitism. Because once Israel became aligned with America, then uh, the Soviets turned against Israel and Zionism, and 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 that was kind of behind the idea of Zionism is racism. That um, there's that kind of idea. Certainly amongst the British mm-hmm. left, there's this whole idea of. You know, we helped re- we helped end apartheid, and and it's like, what's our new goal? Oh, let's let's call what's happening in Israel Palestine apartheid, um, and then we are fighting apartheid.
0: I'm getting a sense that we're in a moment in history where every little thing, every fact, every jot and tittle has become polemicized and politicized. And if somebody says X, we have to automatically, if you are on the other side, assume that that thing is not true. And as a result of that, there are people that can go and say, well, rape has happened, um, but that doesn't matter because I'm still on the side of the Palestinians. And therefore, the other side has to have at least done something to justify this, to deserve this, something or other. And, and and this has been happening for decades, right? This, you know, in this conflict, we hear 8,000 Palestinian children have died. And yet on the, you know, the right you have, well, Hamas shouldn't be using human shields. We have, uh, historically, Israel committed a massacre at Sabrat Shatila, right? Well, let's look at the facts. It wasn't that bad. And every side, when you say that something bad has happened, the other side has to go and say, well, it wasn't that bad. Um, and that this is just a continuation of that.
1: Well, Avi, Avi, I think you might be talking about slightly two different things, because I think there's the it wasn't that bad. And there's also who do you put the blame on? So even people who are all ostensibly agreeing on the facts of how many people were killed or raped or anything like this, you sometimes still just get like different people attributing the blame in different
0: ways. When, when the right, we're saying the same, when the right says that Hamas shouldn't be using human shields, we're victim blaming essentially and well, I'm not s-
1: i think that's a bit much avi no i don't i'm not gonna agree with you about that but anyway okay. um, yeah, and
2: i, I would go say ahead. that
1: um i think that's just like an argument about what they're doing which we can have that discussion i mean i don't know that i'm the best person to be having that discussion but i'm saying i don't think that's i don't think victim blaming is quite the framework for that but anyway
2: i think what you're both talking about is the fact that yeah nuances has disappeared and, and one of the nuances that should be here yeah. is that um is a bit, you know, like what I mentioned that Hamas is an extremist Islamist group. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who wants peace in in Gaza is is imprisoned. Anyone who who dares to say anything ab- about the ruling party is imprisoned or or killed, just like in Iran, just like in many other countries. You know, basically they're fascists. So um, although we know that they voted for Hamas and that some of them mm-hmm. would still vote for Hamas, maybe even um, half of them there's there's, a, there's also a lot of people in there who have no choice and i and i would say also say there's nothing wrong with saying that the palestinians have been let down by their political leaders who mm-hmm. have never accepted the two state solution sure um so and in terms of nuance i think we you know we all of us that are on social media we can forget that in the wider world there are lots of people who who do understand nuance and that sometimes we're arguing amongst ourselves and it's quite a good kind of intellectual exercise but actually most people who are most people in in this country certainly aren't on twitter 15 percent uh, and that's where most of the fiercest rows are going on. And most people understand that there is nuance that both Israelis and uh, Palestinians can be victims here.
1: But what I'm thinking now about, though, is specifically the U.S. context. So I, I should say that I am I grew up in the States, so that's kind of my frame for a lot of this. And I'm thinking about specifically who has been so active in bringing the issue of the sexual assaults of October 7th um, to, to the public's attention. And I'm thinking it's Hillary Clinton... It's Sheryl Sandberg. It's not only those two women, but it is very much those two yeah. women. And these are women who are hated by the left and were for reasons that long predate October 7th. And I'm just thinking about like the way, like, I guess this, I mean, this fits with what we've already been talking about, but just sort of the way um, these culture wars divisions seem to happen. And I guess what what I wonder about and what I, I wrote my column about um a couple of weeks ago for the Canadian Jewish News was really just this question of is it actually surprising that feminist groups are not or and, and especially sort of like I'm thinking even more so like individuals but that that are, are there usual voices one would expect to be speaking out that aren't or is this more just kind of an unsurprising disappointing but still unsurprising development in light of changes that have happened kind of on the left and specifically on the feminist left um, just in recent years, because I'm thinking like Me Too was 2017, right? Then in 2020, 2021, the hashtag became much more Black Lives Matter than Me Too. And there was a lot of discussion of women as like Karens or, you know, TERFs or whatever it was uh, women sort of weaponizing certain women privileged women depending which categories whatever mm. weaponizing victimhood and talking about safety in a way that was really like not progressive you know and that somehow women's safety became like right-wing coded if that makes sense I don't know I was wondering what whether you see anything to this or if I'm just um
2: I, well I think it, it's yeah. a bit of both in terms of the feminists uh some of the victim blaming element where they're like, uh, yes, but you deserved it, That or it's Islamophobic to say this, then that is shocking. That, they, uh, that a lot of them would want to stay away from the subject or try and equivocate between um, one of our democratic allies and a terrorist group is perhaps less surprising. I,
1: I feel like I was not actually surprised, and I feel like everything I saw about this from people who are on, like, my side of this was saying that this is so surprising, but I feel like me too, unless you're a Jew, I mean, I feel like me too itself had kind of gone out of favor on the left, at least on the parts Uh, of it. Yeah.
2: One of the interesting, one of the more interesting things that's happened here. And, um, you know, this might've been a culture war thing that you've discussed, but Britain is known as turf Island because, um, and, you know, we've been fighting the, the gender, um, movement in this country and it's mainly come from women on the left and one of the interesting mm. elements for this for me is that some some of the women who are who have considered themselves left-wing women and have seen their eyes opened to uh the faults in the left in terms of um you know male rapists and female prisons and things like that suddenly they are because they've had their eyes open that the left can uh can can have faults and can be blind to things like either you be- either you believe the women or you don't uh, then suddenly it's like they've had their eyes opened in terms of israel so there have been while most of the feminists have been disappointing there are some people that have massively surprised me people that were, that were generally massively anti-zionist who are now going to the you know the who, uh, the, the who, who, co- who comes before. to mind for this well, Julie Bindle mm-hmm. so she's a very famous feminist here um, her, she is she's, she's, she, her wife is Jewish but they're both quite anti-zionist um, and uh, but I spoke because she has that Jewish element and her brother-in-law lives in Israel but you know she's always talked about being quite anti-zionist and it's been amazing to see the turn from her and probably even more famously is Graeme Lennon. He's, he's, obviously, he's a man, but he's kind of one of the faces of the um, tough the, the movement, I suppose, although he's a, he's a man. Yeah, so is this is turf. something
1: that I have found fascinating, um, the way that the sort of culture wars split has happened on where, where you can know on the basis of somebody's position on trans issues, their position on Israel-Palestine issues, and also weirdly, I don't know if this is the case so much in England, and you, you can enlighten us, on COVID I know this is going to seem bizarre, but like, Mm -hmm. if you like which which groups will have a gathering where everybody's in a mask and which will have a gathering where no one's in a mask. And I just I mean, like, in just in completely neutral terms, I just find this fascinating the way it's all sort of aligning. But it's interesting what you're saying that you think that this is some like at least the COVID part may be its own separate piece and may have more um, maybe more Canada specific some of it. But what you're saying about um, about disillusionment with the left, I think makes sense and I'm thinking just about like this figure who I only vaguely understand who he is of Owen Jones who seems to loom large in like all of this um it's it's just frustrating how it all aligns so much to me I don't know maybe it shouldn't be frustrating just it's um and it's not I I would say it doesn't
2: it doesn't completely align like Women's Place UK is is one of the kind of you know one of the big organizations that speaks up against the the gender ideology and they are firmly you know they they basically um equivocated between hamas and israel and 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 they wrote that's interesting okay. and i'm friends with the the pr lady and you know and i and i know the people some of the people that are involved with it and and they're the people i've been most upset with because these are people that i know and i've had a drink with i've hugged you know these these are my sisters and they have not behaved like sisters
0: you're an entertainment reporter, <laughs> and maybe that means that you have a little bit more of an insight into this. Um, and you know, this is this specific thing is still an unfolding uh, war. It's still an unfolding situation. Um, but this is of a line with the colossal PR failure, right? That has been around for decades with regards to the Palestinian cause and Israel. If you look at it from the perspective of Israel, right. Palestine has, the Palestinian movement has clearly won the PR war over the past several decades um, when it comes to this. Um, And uh, Israel has time and again not been able to do this despite having quote unquote Hasbara on the ground doing all of this like stuff out there. They just haven't been able to win hearts and minds with the Palestinian cause has. And this just follows in that context of saying we have something which we should be able to capitalize on and remind people that this is an atrocious thing that is happening this is horrible um, and yet um, that hasn't happened and I wonder you know what is going on here that we aren't able to cut through um, any of this morass of, of horrible equivocating to get to the point where this actually turns into a PR success um, or and I mean that in, I don't mean that in the crassest way um, most-
2: well I would say um, well we're such a small community there's 15 million of us um, you know we have a lot of the left against us we have most of the muslim community against us that's 1.3 billion people in the world um so however much how ha- has we might do we are very small in number but i do think and uh, and also you know the interesting thing is that up until 1970 you know 1973 until until israel started winning the the left was on the side of israel and and the, the, the reason the left isn't on the side of Israel now, in terms of the, the whole POR element, is because Israel was seen as the oppressor, not the victim. Because if you only see the world in oppressor versus victims, then, um, then you're going to say, oh, you're no longer the victims so and you therefore are the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know I do think that what happened on October 7, and this is why people are trying to pull down these kidnapped photos and all of that, is that suddenly... There are some people that see Israel is the victim. And there are people that have seen it. And although the feminist groups are equivocating and, and other that, I do genuinely think that people are beginning to see it. Oh, it's more complicated than I realised. And someone said it to me, and which I thought was such a good analogy. Mm. It's like out in the darkness, a flare went up. And people could suddenly see things as they really were. They could see that you have, you know, these peaceful people, as I said, the most peaceful people in Israel being killed in their bedrooms, the babies being beheaded or, you know, people being murdered and burned and raped. And they suddenly see that, OK, so maybe the Palestinians aren't so innocent. So So I do think that
0: I know, Phoebe, you want to answer, but I want to follow up on that then exactly what you're saying. How do we capitalize on that flair? (laughs) How do we how do we actually move forward and not just, you know, tell everybody, hey, there was a flare here? What's what's an effective thing to be doing in your mind?
2: Well, I do think that we um, we probably have the same PR people that are speaking to your television as to mine. And I think that finally Israel has got some good PR people who are willing to stand up for themselves and stand up for Israel's rights. Um, I hope so. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how else we win it because we're just, we're just so it's and I, I you know I've seen this so you with, think it's just a numbers sort of, game you know when there, I just yeah I just yeah. you know when okay you know I have two teenage boys and you know in twenty twenty one when when there was all the problems at the border uh, between uh, Gaza and Israel and which which we now which they now believe. You know, and, and Israel was killing people that were coming too close to the border wall. And Israel now believes that those people they were they were finding ways to try and weaken the wall, um, and that you know a lot of people were dying in Gaza, um, and it became a thing. And my teenage boys, they're like, everyone is against us. You know, every single influencer is against us. Um, and you know, so they, so my own kids are thinking, you know, we must be doing something wrong. You know, we are child killers, or Israel is a child killer. Um. So and and you know I had to try and find somebody, just a single person, and I managed to find David Beckham. He had a star of David. It was the most subtle little thing that you had to really look for. Um, But you know, isn't he part
1: Jewish or something? David Beckham, Jewish. Which, which I must say, of all the celebrities, I have, I'm not super into the like which celebrities are Jewish thing. But like that one absolutely completely blew my mind. But anyway,
2: yeah, his his mum's his his mum's dad is jewish so he's not
1: halakhically jewish oh, kind of more than one might imagine
2: of david beckham yeah and and also um it's the only religion he grew up with really because he was really close to his grandfather who used to take him to synagogue but i suppose actually you know as an entertainment journalist what i would say is we need more celebrities speaking up for us don't we we need we need more jewish celebrities to stop being so scared because they are and we need non-jewish celebrities to speak up for us and you mentioned hillary clinton and you know thank goodness for Hillary, because she really has
1: done a good job. Um, So I think I might see it in a slightly different way. So I don't think the question is, how do we get PR to specifically support? Like, I mean, I don't know that that's what anybody's saying here. But I just I don't think I want to be clear that the issue isn't that there needs to be PR getting everybody to support the war effort of Israel currently. Because I think, I look at what's happening and I don't I don't know exactly what Israel should be doing and how. You know what I mean? Like I think it Israel needs to get Hamas exactly how precise it's being in avoiding civ- civilian casualties. Mm. I'm not a military expert. I can I want to see fewer people dead. And the fact is of course, you know in in war, you know, is civilians are killed including babies so the whole like i think that's something that's when we're talking about like tropes and so forth this isn't it's not like a trope that there. i mean there are actual dead Palestinian babies. This isn't like a trope, you know what I mean. they are also obviously dead Israeli babies, you know what I mean. Like that is, you know, and I
2: guess the the trope element
1: is Israel isn't deliberately trying to kill, of course, of course, of course. And I think that 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 is a key distinction. But I mean, I think Mm. this is different than the conversation. Like, I think to try to talk about like sometimes when I see discussions of anti-Semitism, it seems to take place in some kind of ahistorical sphere where. Every like where there is no actual war going because there is an actual war going on, and I, I think what I would say is more that like the PR needs to be on the side of like you have to condemn what happened on October seventh, whatever you think of Israel's response to it. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's that's like these need to be yeah. just separate. Well, I I
0: don't disagree. I like, just not, think I mean they that can't that's, ever be fully they, be they to, can't yeah. be. But I guess what I'm okay. saying is
1: yeah. I mean I think that you know obviously I have. You know my own views that probably make me considered a far right lunatic by most of the people I (laughs) know. um, Even though I'm probably like not actually in any way that. Um, But whatever the point is, I I think you have to look at this not as like I think you have to look at something like um, Heidi Matthews's tweet about you know like the rape as justification, whatever. Because like you have to say that no, this is this needs to be condemned. And mm-hmm. that's not a specific military action plan, one way or another. Now, I, however, however, I did see somebody, um, this is a Canadian journalist um, whose name I have half forgotten, and it doesn't really matter. Was saying something about like that um, that it's really like you don't want to do things in the name of rape victims who can't really speak for themselves, or whatever. It's like yes, because they're dead, because they were killed by Hamas. And I don't think that it's dishonoring Hamas's <laughs> victims to fight back against Hamas in some capacity. Now to say that like any that that mean that that it's not that that justifies any level of war in Gaza. It's just that it does justify doing something, something about I think the Hamas, has you know to what be I kept, mean?
2: I think I think for me the rape has to be kept separate from the war in that it was just the rape is just part of the atrocity that happened on October 7 and the idea that they've gone to war to that they, they, they're talking about the rape to justify the war is completely wrong. And, it, you know, it's it completely unfeminist to even talk about that.
0: I actually, I'm, it's very weird because I actually think that Israel lost an opportunity. Had they gone and said, we are going to war because they raped our women, um, there might be more, you know, uh, sympathy. If in the me too, community. were still a
1: thing, but no. But if, yeah. if if caring about women's safety, especially because, and this is, I mean, I don't want to go too far afield, but the whole thing of Israelis being coded as white, regardless of what Israelis actually look like or where Israelis actually come from, is irrelevant in this North American-centric way of seeing things, especially U.S.-centric way of seeing things. This idea that these are white ladies, right? You know, that's how it's understood on the left here. You know, that these are white women who are so worried about their safety. And then what also happens is you get this thing where the actual violence that happened against women and girls in Israel becomes somehow conflated on the left with like Amy Schumer saying that she's feeling worried, you know, and it's like, no, these are all different things. And um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I I think just... I mean, I've even seen somebody pointing at I don't remember, I wish I had a link to this, that, like, Israel didn't, like, somebody criticizing Israel for not investigating the rape specifically, quickly enough. And I thought that was an interesting point. I, I don't know what to make, but yeah. I haven't looked into this myself. But I mean, but that does seem, um, like, the, it, there are just so many angles to this. And the the whole thing of, like, Critic- what is criticism of Israel, like when so many Israelis are so critical of their own government? But anyway, I could digress. Yeah, but yeah. That was a
2: story, I think, that maybe even starting in Haaretz. And, and it, it, there was an element where they didn't use rape kits on everything. Mm-hmm. But, that, but that, you know, the, and so uh, some did and some didn't. You know, they're not if the body is burnt to smithereens, right. they're not necessarily going to do a semen test on it. Um, when I wrote my article and I spoke to, you know, Zaka, first responder, well, his testimony was sent to me, including the pictures that went with it. Um, and I don't know how hard to, to be, up to how graphic to be on your uh, podcast here, but they sent me an image of, of you know, m- maybe you can take it out if you want, but they sent me an image of, of a, a burned body with a knife in in the vagina area. Um, so so do, do, do they need rape tests to see that there was a sexual element to this? No, I don't think they do. But certainly they don't, you know, one of the reasons that they started this group is that they wanted to try and amass as much evidence as they could because they're going to try it as a criminal case because obviously they have a lot of terrorist prisoners now in Israel that, that were part of the October 7th. So mm-hmm. there is an element where they didn't, you know, because it's not a crime, because it's a, a scene of a mass crime. They didn't do all the things they normally would mm-hmm. do necessarily yeah, for a rape victim. Yeah. And also, the ZAFA volunteer I spoke to, he said, you know, in this house, you know, one of the houses, there were obviously lots of women that had been raped. They were, you know, their hands were tied, their their bottoms were were, were down, and then they'd blown the house up uh, around them. So they were just picking up bits.
1: I mean it's what's so what I find just so like the the place where this just seems to boast just dark and bleak and like awful to me is when I just see stuff about like well it's believe women but but the women aren't saying anything it's like well there is a reason for that and it's yeah, they, yeah I, they, um, they, and it's not it, it doesn't make Hamas look particularly good. And I'm um, not
2: sure whether you you've seen also that you know there's still about 20 young women still held hostage yes, and I have one seen of the that. reasons yes.
1: and I've seen and, yeah. and
2: one, yeah. And one of the reasons they're saying is because these women are the ones that have been raped. And I think these are mainly the female soldiers. Um, and because, you know, an, 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 an ex-Muslim, she sent to me, you know, this woman talking about how if Israeli is a soldier, then therefore they are seen as uh, your enemy and therefore you can take them as a wife and use them as a sex slave. And and that's what, something that I'm really worried about. So I, something I would like to really think about is like not just the rapes on October 7 but the fact that there there are women in there oh, that are probably well, still being raped it's all really awful to think about oh, so much concentration on October 7 let's not forget this is still go- going on
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm that's, that's an important point
0: well Nicole Lampert thank you for your ideas and thank you for your time
1: yeah thank you so much and thank you for for all the reporting you've done it's really important thank you
0: good to speak to you <laughs> Okay, well, now it's time for our Nachus. Phoebe, what's your nachos this week? Well,
1: Avi, I think my nachos is going to have to be to go watch them all in the family uh, in memory of Norman Lear, the show's creator. Oh,
0: um, did he pass away? passed
1: away, I think. Wow, yes. okay, I didn't hear um, that. So I think that, I think that that would be um, my recommendation. Um, obviously, if you're going to really, like, go deep diving into sitcoms, you could, must um, have been old. Wow. you know, you, you start uh yeah he was 101 wow okay yeah that would be my nachos for the week yeah
0: i as i mentioned at the very top of the show uh currently live in a suburb and we still have to talk about it i know you touched upon that with um uh with mark when you had your discussion with him but i think that there's more expansive discussions about um my new suburban uh life um that we will table for another time um One of the things that I notice in this uh, in this suburban life that I live right now is that it is not just for the goyim to have incredibly massive and gaudy displays of lights on their homes. Um, Chanukah home lights are now a thing. Uh, My neighbor has a massive. Uh, blow-up in their on their lawn. They have a light-up, spinning dreidel, like it actually spins as it turns um, in the night, and it's illuminated. Um, there's lights all over the houses. There's a lot of houses that have really big displays. This is in addition, obviously, to the nativity scenes and the other um, light displays that are around. Um, but my Nachis goes out to the Jews that are loud and proud with their lights on their homes around this time of year in these suburbs. Uh,
1: that sounds... Uh, pretty great. Whatever your traditions, um, make sure they're inflatable and brightly lit this time of year.
0: Thank you for listening to Bonjour Chai for the week ending December 9th Shabbat Parashat Vayeshev Shabbat Chanukah. The show is produced and edited by Zach Kaufman. The executive producer for CJN Podcast is Michael Freeman. Our music is by So Called. We are a project of the Jewish Living Lab and are distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. You can listen to all our past episodes on our page at thecjn.ca slash bonjour and you can subscribe to the podcast and automatically receive all episodes on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you told a friend about Bonjour Chai. It's one of the best ways we get new listeners. And as always, you can email us with comments at bonjour at the cjn.ca. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.